And just like that, we're back. A new year has begun. It feels same. It feels exactly the same as it did <laughs> last year. But、uh-huh. you know what's different? I have to fill out checkbooks different. Yeah, well, there's that. I've forgot to put the 22 on my checkbooks a couple of times. What's different though is I have lost my excuse to be gluttonous and drink with abandon for the last two weeks because, hey, it's the holidays. I should just gorge myself on rich, fatty foods and drink copious amounts of alcohol. That's the only thing that's changed. That is how some people choose to celebrate the holidays. Yes. Yes, I know. Not you.、Uh, asceticism is a hard sell for a lot of people. I know that you have your toned down holidays. I. It's everything is so weird. I guess I just wasn't really feeling like gorging and drinking.、Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's not bad. I actually had、uh, a, a really good New Year's. Did you? What did you? What did you do New Year's Eve? I was in my bathrobe. Uh-huh. I never got out of my pajamas. I cuddled with my cat and I played Beat Saber. Oh, how did how does this differ from any other day? Well, see, it was the last day of 2021. Oh, that's what makes it different. Beat Saber is new. I just got it for Christmas, so I've had Beat Saber for less than two weeks. Yeah, you've bought and, into the Oculus. Well, I had a friend who had gotten it, and she recommended that I try it. And I, not a fan of Facebook. But she got me to try it just the once, and I've always wanted to be a Jedi.、Mm-hmm. I've always wanted lightsabers, and of course, in my fantasies, I'm really good with lightsabers. And I did go into Oculus. It turns out it's not as graceful. Like we need to give people that play Jedi's more credit because they look very graceful on screen. And I have looked at people playing Oculus, and they are not particularly graceful. It's awkward. It is awkward. It's awkward. So I'm not quite living、uh, my I mean, Jedi. I'm、fantasies. sure it looks amazing from your perspective, <gasps> and you're like,、does. "Oh my god,、it's、I'm right so... here. I'm in the Matrix, and、it's、I'm、really、fighting、good. things and smashing things with my lightsabers." And yeah, but、uh, from the outside, anybody else watching, it's kind of awkward. There's some flailing. It's true. I've seen people play. It's it's not as graceful as you imagine it in your head. But that is how I spent New Year's: was playing Billy Eilish Beat Saber to、nice. ring in midnight. Yeah, I enjoyed myself. Well, hello everybody. This is TC Rollins, and this is Rain DeGray, and we are officially welcoming you to another year of the Dirty Talk Podcast, twenty twenty two edition. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yes, same as the old boss. <laughs> Nothing's changed. I still had to wake up this morning and do the same things I always did. So on、uh, New Year's Eve, you didn't do a countdown. You didn't、uh, drink、no. any of the devil's wine. No. No. No champagne for you. No. You know they used to call it the devil's wine, right? I thought that they called it stars when the the first monk that invented champagne said that he'd invented stars or something. The first champagne was an accident. Are you thinking of Dom Perignon because he was a monk that kind yeah, of yes, the monks yeah, that, yeah. That, that correct he 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 kind of brought some science to it. But before that, it was just this accidental thing that they didn't really know what was going on because they would put the wine into bottles. In the fall, and they would thought that they had done fermenting, but then the yeast would go into hibernation over the winter, and then in the spring the yeast would come back alive when the weather warmed up, and they would have a second fermentation, which would start causing all the bubbles, and then the bottles would explode. They would lose like twenty to ninety percent 
of the bottles of champagne. And that's why they thought it was evil spirits that were blowing up because they were like shrapnel filled grenades. So anybody that wanted to try and drink some of the champagne before they knew what was going on back in the 1600s, they'd have to go down to the cellar with with iron masks on and leather gloves and things. And they'd pull up full on body armor to go and collect a bottle to hopefully not have it explode on you. So they called it the devil's wine because they thought evil spirits were in the wine making it explode. According to legend, Don Perignon said, Come, I am drinking stars. Mm. However, I hate to break it to you, it's not true. That you're not drinking stars? Well, you are technically drinking stars, I would say, because everything that we are made of is stardust. So anything you eat and anything you drink is technically stars because we are all made from stardust. That is that is entirely correct. The legend is that he said, come, I am drinking stars, but it's also been proven that the English were already producing sparkling wine, and he himself did not create it. Hmm. They just, the narrative sounds cool. Some monk did it. It's like, no, we yeah. actually- It was, it was have... in existence before that. It was, like yeah. I said, there was just an accident. They had no idea what was going on. He kind of brought the science to it and said, no, no, it's not evil spirits. We're just adding some sugar and some yeast to it, and it's creating the carbonation. So it's not the devil in the wine. But you have to be careful because the champagne can kill you. Not just not just from liver failure if you drink too much, but it is estimated that 24 people per year die from champagne corks. What? Yeah. How? Wait. What? The, does it hit them in the head? How yep. do they? Yeah, they get uh, the champagne cork to the eye is the leading cause of eye trauma in France. It, it is the leading cause mm -hmm. of French eye trauma is champagne. Yep. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That's that's tragic, and I'm I'm sorry for every yeah. person. According to this would... article I read, <laughs> the pressure in the bottle is the same yeah. as is in a truck tire. So that's why you have to be oh. careful of it. So it's up to like 90 PSI in the bottle. So flying uh -huh. champagne corks are still the number one reason for eye injuries in France. And may I mean, this is just in France because they drink a lot of champagne in France. They do. They do. They like so, the But champagne. I don't know if those eye injuries lead to death. But according to another article I was reading, yes, 24 deaths per year are attributed to flying champagne corks. I don't know how many of those happen on New Year's Eve, but that is more than shark attacks because it's estimated that about six people worldwide might die from shark attacks every year. So you are more likely to die from champagne than from sharks. Than sharks. Yes. Obviously, what it is is that they're opening it on a balcony with a really low railing. And <laughs> as the champagne explodes, the somebody steps back in shock already with a buzz on and falls off the balcony. That's Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Speaking of drinking, go on. I something you've been doing copiously over well, the past. Well, and weeks. now I'm done because I don't have an excuse of the holidays anymore. And now you know, now it's just the shameful drinking that I do. <laughs> it's not the celebratory holiday. Hey, we're festive. It's the the shameful. I'm gonna go hide in my closet and drink. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a totally different energy. It's completely different drinking. I mean, I don't really do that. I, I actually hardly ever drink anymore. But. If I was drinking a lot more, there is somebody that would be able to drink me under the table. Are they Russian? No. I mean, yeah, well, it's Jess. Yes, some of them are Russian. We have 
on this podcast discussed science before. We love science. And we have discussed some of the amazing things that scientists get to do. Hotboxing lobsters. Mm -hmm. And this is akin to hotboxing lobsters. There is a scientist. And you know what this scientist, Gwen Lupfer, does. Uh, Scientifically gets drunk? She scientifically gets something drunk. What is she trying to get drunk? Caterpillars. No. Mice. Yes, you were close with mice. Hamsters. Why? She's scientifically getting hamsters drunk. Why does she need to get hamsters drunk? Why not? Because it's funny. <laughs> Do they get little hamster hangovers the next day? They don't because hamsters could drink you, me, and everyone else under the table. Hamsters have <gasps> one of the highest tolerances to alcohol in the animal kingdom. So a Russian dwarf hamster could drink you under the table. Yes. Proportionately, size for okay. For size for size for size, you yourself could drink an elephant under the table. Elephants are notoriously bad drunks. Huh. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's some scientist somewhere who's gotten an elephant drunk because there's scientists getting hamsters drunk. And wouldn't you yeah. love to be paid as a scientist to get <laughs> hamsters drunk? Yes, I would. As a matter of fact. What it all comes down to, the reason why we can metabolize alcohol, what it is assumed, is our ancestors would eat fermented fruit that fell on the ground. And so right. we had to adapt to this because there would be naturally occurring alcohol in the fruit once it started fermenting. Mm -hmm. We had to adapt the ability to break down the alcohol so we could eat the food without it killing us and getting terribly intoxicated on it. Right. Same thing with the hamsters is they hoard things for the winter. So they hoard a lot of fruit. That, they hoard a lot of rye seed that over the course of it being stored starts fermenting and starts having high levels of alcohol in it. So they've developed genes where they can process the alcohol incredibly fast. Oh, because they need access to the food still. Because they still need to be gone. able to okay. have the food throughout the winter. It would be useless oh. for them if the food was killing them and right. if they were just getting incredibly shit-faced all winter long on, on their alcoholic food stores. Right. So, of course, because of evolution, the hamsters that could eat the alcohol-containing food survived and pass their genes on to the other hamsters. So that's why hamsters are the binge-drinking champions of the animal kingdom. I did not know that. Yeah. I, scientists are having fun out there, man. They are having fun. It is estimated that they can drink a liter and a half of 190-proof Everclear, like what the equivalent of what would be a liter and a half. So you know like the big uh, yes. bottles of like pure yeah. grain alcohol, like a big – wine bottle size bottle they could drink two of those it's the equivalent of them drinking two of those or you and i drinking two full bottles of pure grain alcohol we wouldn't make it we would die yeah right so this hamster could could drink you under the table so the study is they wanted to see how drunk they could get a hamster and it, it proved that it is incredibly hard to get a hamster drunk they would feed the hamsters pure grain liquor, and they had this drunken chart. They wanted to measure them from a score of zero, which means no visible wobbling, to a four, which means falls onto side and does not right self. So, so the scientists got together with the grad students, and they started just pumping 
the hamsters oh. full of alcohol to oh. see and then they would have to watch the hamsters be like are they is that a drunk hamster it's like doing a, like a field sobriety test for hamsters like walk this line what they what they tried to do at first was put paint on the little hamster paws and then get the hamsters drunk and have them walk across paper to see if they could notice like if the hamsters were like walking in odd you know not straight lines but the thing is that hamsters just kind of wander all over the place anyways so oh, this, they don't walk in a straight line. They don't walk, yeah, so there's like, okay, oh. is the is the hamster wobbly? Is it not wobbly? And so they couldn't tell the difference between the paw prints of the drunk hamsters and the not drunk hamsters. So they just uh-huh. had to visibly watch them and be like, Whoa, okay, is that a drunk hamster? Is it not a drunk hamster? And no matter how much alcohol they fed the hamsters, they never found a hamster that got an average of above 0.5 on the wobbling scale. So even with the highest oral doses of alcohol, they would just pump them full of alcohol. The only way they actually could get them drunk and make them like fall over on their side is actually inject them, oh. is inject them with alcohol. And then the hamsters got drunk because it would bypass their liver, which would break it down oh. really fast. So then if they injected it with the alcohol, the, the alcohol would be in their blood and the hamsters would get drunk. But other than that, it's you've heard it here. It is nearly impossible to get a hamster drunk. I still can't get the visuals out of my head of a bunch of scientists sitting around with a little tiny paint can and a little tiny paintbrush (laughs) painting the bottom of drunk hamsters' feet and then trying to watch them wobble. Mm -hmm. Like, scientists have so much fun. And then to be like, the paint thing's not working, put away the paint can. Mm -hmm. But someone there was holding a little furry butt hamster just with the paint they would have to start with the sober hamster and then paint their paws and then try and get the hamsters drunk and then put paint on their paws yeah yeah but what they did find is that the hamsters preferred pure alcohol over water if given the choice the the hamsters would just go for the alcohol instead of the water huh but there's a reason behind it because alcohol is more fun well no because they don't really get drunk off the alcohol Right, right. So they don't really get drunk, but it's like there's still water in the alcohol, right? They can process it very quickly. So they have the hydration and some mild hamster amusement, maybe? No, no. It's just because it's caloric intake because water doesn't have any calories, whereas the the alcohol, the alcohol has has calories calories. in it. And they did numerous studies, even if they offered them sucralose sweetened water that didn't really have calories – but it tasted sweet, they would still go for the alcohol because they could tell there's calories in it. The only mm-hmm. thing that they liked more than the alcohol is chocolate and sure. So you get the flavor and you get the, and the, the high caloric content. So they would they would bypass, they would become teetotalers for chocolate flavored and sure. <laughs> I'm wow. Uh, I have learned something today. I'm really enjoying that. Now I now I have the visual of hamsters getting their feet painted gone from my head, mm-hmm. and instead I have a bunch of plump, pleased <laughs> hamsters toasting each other with small, tiny hamster-sized mugs of chocolate and sure. Oh yeah, oh, they I love, love it. They love that shit. Uh, the, another thing that people like to do on New Year's Eve besides drinking, they like to do a lot of drugs. Oh yes, yes, that's true. Right, right? and thankfully the DEA has just released. It's guide to emoji drug codes. There's an emoji drug code guide? Yes. The DEA just released this uh, just a few days ago. You can go to the DEA website and they have a guide to the emojis that people use to talk about drugs. 
Wait, there is a pill emoji. There is a pill emoji. And there's a needle emoji. So what what else would there be? So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quiz you on this. So there is a pill, but the thing is, according to the DEA, you could use the pill emoji for almost any drug. So that emoji is listed under the Percocet and Oxycodone, Xanax, Adderall, and MDMA, Molly. So you could be using that pill for anything. Okay. So supposedly they're putting this guide out for parents oh. in case what they say it's for parents and influencers in case you see if you see some change in your person and they're using these emojis, they could be talking oh. about drugs, right? Okay. There's some on here that I don't understand. I'm going to quiz you to see if you could guess what okay. drug this emoji is referring to. Okay. Banana. Um, and I could, you want me to give you the, give you the, the, the different drugs that they're talking about here? Uh, is it marijuana? No, it is not marijuana. Banana. Banana. Here's, we're breaking it down. So it's either Percocet, Oxycodone, Xanax, Adderall, meth, heroin, cocaine, MDMA, mushrooms, cough syrup, or marijuana. Okay. So banana. If I text you a banana, what am I telling you I have? You're, uh... Oh, that's a huge list. It's not reefer because I know that people used to smoke dried banana peels. <laughs> I think that was not a myth. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that's how that's why I went for banana, even if it was a myth. Okay, but yeah, uh, okay, I did, so, uh, I did it's read. Not, it's not marijuana. I did read William Burroughs. William Burroughs had a son, William Burroughs Jr., who mm. was forced to go to rehab. And there was banana smoking in the rehab. Mm-hmm. So it was just a rumor. People were doing it. Uh, it's, okay. it's a rumor that it doesn't get you high at all. It's supposed you, to be very mellow. Just so very you guys mellow, know, mild. whoever's listening, banana peels do not get you high. No. I think that they it gave them something to do while they were stuck in rehab mm-hmm. is drying and smoking bananas. Because yes. what, else, what else are you going to do? Um, so I just texted banana. you a picture of a banana. What am I holding? Yeah. Vicodin. Uh, okay, so yeah, Vicodin, Percocet, Oxycodone. We'll go for Vicodin because it's basically the same thing. That's hydrocodone instead of Oxycodone. Sure. When I think bananas, I think Vicodin. Yeah. Okay. Is it really? No, not at all. <laughs> okay. I don't see the connection whatsoever. Okay, okay. Next one. Chocolate bar. Each chocolate bar. Uh, Xanax. Yes, Xanax because of their bars. Wow. Bars okay, you're doing pretty good on this. Okay. Baby bottle. Baby bottle bottle uh heroin no cough syrup it's cough it's yes cough the syrup. baby bottle is the cough syrup for the okay. syrup right there and the, the syrup is also the purple heart the heroin is a brown heart or a dragon oh 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 chasing the dragon mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Our last one here a fish a fish would be meth no Fish is not meth. Uh, MDMA. No, 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 no. All right. That's it. You got two out of three. I'll give you two out of three. I'm not up with the drug emoji lingo code. I'm sorry. The fish is obviously cocaine because good cocaine is referred to as fish scale. I did not know that. Well, now you know. Fish scale. Okay. Fish scale is good cocaine is considered to be fish scale. Huh. All right. But they also say on this DEA emoji drug code decoder that the maple leaf is the universal sign for drugs. Maple leaf. The maple leaf. So either you're a drug dealer or you're Canadian or both. I 
I think if you're a parent and your kids are sending each other emojis of baby bottles, you know something's going on. It like could be what's... anything else. You never eh, know. Baby weird. bottle maple leaf. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, little weird. baby bottle maple leaf candy bar. <laughs> Let's get together. We're going to drink some syrup and take some Xanax. <laughs> right? Right. Or, or be like, hey, let's get together with our Canadian friends and drink some chocolate milk out of a baby bottle. Yeah, because that's what... Could be completely innocent. Or chocolate and sure, and then you can get the drunk hamsters involved. Yeah. Last thing, uh, you know that your spit contains an extremely powerful painkiller, right? No. Yeah. My spit contains an extremely powerful painkiller? Human? Your human, human spit saliva? right now in your mouth. You are producing a painkiller that is six times more powerful than morphine. Constantly at all times? And constantly at all times. There's trace amounts in it. It's called Opiorphan, and they found it in 2006 that constantly at all times, you are producing a potent painkiller in your mouth, and it might have antidepressant properties as well. Is that because existence is suffering? So we need to naturally be able to blot out as much pain as possible? Possibly, yeah. And then, I mean, it's a simple it's a simple molecule, so they can produce it quite easily. And uh, if you can't get your hands on any of these drugs on the DEA list and you want to have a really good time on New Year's Eve, you make heard it here first. Make out with a bunch of people? Yeah, make out with a bunch of people and concentrate their spit. Take their spit, oh, but- concentrate it, and then you get this this powerful painkiller that's six times more powerful than morphine. And you uh, have a great way to ring in the new year. Be like, but hey. Don't, don't get COVID. Yeah, it's midnight. I'm just trying to, I'm not just kissing a bunch of people because it's midnight. I'm trying to get high. <laughs> oh, okay. You could do that or you could not. I think I'm going to go for not. That's, oof. Fine. That's, yeah, your, yeah. That's, that's, that's an option as well. I like to not get COVID. And the more that you're swapping spit with people, the higher your chances. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry. maybe next year I'm just going to drink some devil's wine with a hamster and kiss a bunch of people to see if it takes away all my pain. All right. Well, good luck with that. Speaking of science, uh-huh. I've, got, I've got some science for you. I'm afraid that your science, which was getting drunk hamsters painted, getting not drunk hamsters painted is a bit more entertaining. And then leading them down the primrose path by offering them chocolate and sure, because that's where the true magic is. Mm-hmm. I have some science that's not quite as entertaining, but is very valid and useful. Okay. Science me up. As you know, we are entering a bold new world full of AI and drones are becoming more and more used in a multitude of ways. And a team of former police officers and civil aviation authority experts have developed a 35,000-pound drone that comes armed with a powerful spotlight and thermal cameras to scare off would-be sex attackers and stalkers. How do they fly a drone that is 35,000 pounds? Oh, they developed it not in the United States, my friend. It's not $35,000 drone. That's a 35,000-pound drone. Because oh, you know, okay, okay. So it's yes. an English. So it's cost thirty five thousand English pounds. Correct. Because I'm thinking this massive, like <laughs> the size of my house. Well, that's one way to stop sex attacks. Is if a thirty five thousand pound drone sits on your forehead, <laughs> you're not attacking no one. Yeah, yeah. No, they have a phone app, 
And within four minutes, you can summon a drone and the drone will have thermal imaging cameras and a very powerful spotlight and it can escort you to safety. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's trying to attack you, they're going to be much less likely to attack you if there's a thermal recording drone with a giant spotlight. Do not consent mm -hmm. is key. She doesn't mm -hmm. want to be touched. Get your dirty paws off her. <laughs> Drone's telling That's... you to back away. I mean, it's unfortunate well, they... we have to get to this point in society where you have to call on the drones. It It is unfortunate. It would be ideal to be in a society where we don't have to bother with security drones, but that's not where we're at. Mm -hmm. I would, if I was walking home alone late at night. After and drinking we, with hamsters. After getting my buzz on with those hamsters who know how to party. Yeah. And I could just do an app on my phone. Bink, bink. So you got your mace in one hand and your phone in the other just waiting yes. on the drone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Correct. Because science. Moving on from science mm -hmm. to no science whatsoever, the exact opposite of science. The antithesis of science. Humans love dick. We're obsessed with it. We think it's good luck. Is this we... scientifically proven? Scientifically proven. It's scientifically proven that humans love dick. Yes. <laughs> Did at, you run at... the experiments? <laughs> Through all of human culture, we have fetishized phalluses. We did on a previous podcast, our travel podcast, covered the fact that ancient Romans had giant carved statues of dicks everywhere. They mm -hmm. had dick statues, dick tails, a phallus amulets. They had it carved above their houses. They had it in the cobblestones. Just surround yourself with a lot of dick mm -hmm. for luck. And if you are in a situation where you're living in a village and you need to make sure that rain keeps coming because you are a village that is dependent on farming, mm -hmm. the obvious solution is once a year to hold your good luck rain festival, which involves creating giant dick statues, circumcised, by the way. Oh, of with... course. It's important to have a circumcised dick statue or else nobody would know it's a dick. They could just be some weird floppy worm. <laughs> and this year, I have some photos, which I will happily share with you. Okay. Happily. The circumcised dick has a very jaunty orange hood. So it's kind of an unusual color combination, I guess, but maybe the orange is, is good and powerful. And then the testicles are a deep chestnut brown color. Okay. I'll uh, add the photo along with this uh, podcast. The statue is known as Pallad Katik, and it is a tradition that the town builds every year to ensure that they have rain and good crops. So they don't just save the dick from the previous year? They have to build an no, entirely new to, dick? No, they have to build God an obviously needs a new dick. Crushed all, it. Jeez, you know, it gets bored of the same old dick. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> I'm a little curious if they change out the color scheme or if the orange and brown is something they do every year. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to why a dick. Are they thinking that like, rain is just God peeing on them from the sky? They believe that the phallus causes more rain to come to their farms. I don't know why it would be a phallus as opposed to a vulva. You would think that when you're thinking moisture, but I guess maybe it's the jism. It's mm -hmm. the fertilizing yeah. jism being squirted, which is Inviting similar. God to come jizz on our crops, make them grow. Uh, I, yes. Okay. I'm thinking that's probably the logic behind the giant dick statue. Mm-hmm. People do 
all sorts of unusual things in the name of religion. Mm -hmm. uh, building dick statues is certainly not the oddest religious thing. For our Christmas podcast, you covered the concept of people thinking that Jesus was hanging out in the latrine. You're saying so, he's not, though. I am. I'm saying that Jesus is not in the outhouse. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Is I, Jesus in the bedroom? <laughs> Jesus is everywhere, man. Everywhere, mm -hmm. except for your outhouse. You're not taking a shit on Jesus's head. But things get a little weird when it comes to religion. Unfortunately, we are entering an age where it seems that we are having increased censorship, increased things that we find uncomfortable. And I remember a few years back, I listened to a heartbreaking documentary set in Texas, mm -hmm. where a town that focused entirely on abstinence-only education and saving your virginity for marriage and how much you were a bad, horrible sinner if you did anything before marriage. Not only did it lead mm -hmm. to- <laughs> Unless you do it in the butt. Because <laughs> Jesus can't see your butthole. Nope. Or if you don't move, if you have somebody else jump on the bed, Jesus can't see that either, right? Jump, jump. Double, double points yeah. if you do it in the butt yeah, while yeah. somebody else is doing jumping on the bed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes, that is a fact. Unfortunately, the the result of this study, when they were following these young Christians being told from birth how much of a sin it was to touch your flesh against someone else's unless you had the sanctity of marriage, they followed these young people, these young virgins, up into the point of marriage, and then they would interview them afterwards and be like, hey, uh, how did that work out for you? And across the board, these poor young kids that had been grown up in this very stifling environment said, you can't undo a lifetime of conditioning. Mm. You can't be told you're a sinner, you're going to burn in hellfire, you, you will disappoint your parents and God, and then suddenly a ring goes on your finger and the next day everything's smooth and golden. Mm -hmm. It turns out that heightened levels of religiosity lead to decreased levels of sexual satisfaction, except for- mm -hmm. There is one exception. So generally, if you believe in God is supervising you, you're not going to have as good a sex life. The unless, judgmental eye of Jesus the, the peeking out eye. from the closet with R. Kelly. Yes. Mm -hmm. It does tend to put a, a bit of a damper and really blissful libido swapping. However, if people received religious messages about how sexuality is sacred, sanctioned for being co-creators with God, which is a pretty snazzy message, uh -huh. and designed to help couples bond, experience pleasure, and enhance their commitment to each other, religion can be a positive force in their relationships. Okay. So, so as long as you're having a threesome with Jesus, then it's okay. I want to make shirts for like couples <laughs> to wear, be like, our threesomes with Jesus. I find it fascinating that when you add the factor of religion, you can either have a much worse sex life than the average person, or if you spice in religion right, you can have higher levels of mm -hmm. sexual satisfaction than the average person. Mm -hmm. But it's not neutral. It's either really bad or really good, depending. Uh -huh. I haven't personally run into a lot of religious teaching where the uh, pitch, the narrative is that it's your sexuality is sacred. It allows you to bond better with your partner. 
most times when I'm seeing religion applied to sexuality, it's bad, naughty, you're a sinner, you're mm -hmm. evil. Unless you Not are in the, the children of God. And then, uh, and then you better be fucking everyone <laughs> for the sake of the Lord. Yeah, that I, I think that actually ended up messing up people worse, though. <laughs> that wasn't an improvement. We are not recommending you join the children of God. Stay far, far away from that one. We've covered that in a previous podcast. We're doing some callbacks to previous podcasts. Everything's circular. Everything is connected. We have covered previously on this podcast, and we will continue to cover because it's a topic I feel really strongly about, censorship. Uh -huh. in, in particular, censorship around sexuality. We're seeing it across social media. A lot of people are trying to shut down discussions, shut down conversations. America, the average American teenager has less sex ed now than they had in the 1970s. Mm. So we've gone back 50 years in mm -hmm. terms of our sex education. And they want to make it even worse in Oklahoma. It has not passed, but there is a bill been proposed in Oklahoma that will allow parents to get a bounty on books. Parents can nominate books that they want removed from their children's libraries. Mm -hmm. These books would, in specific, focus on any books about the study of sex, sexual preferences, sexual activity, sexual perversion, sex-based classifications, sexual identity or gender identity, or books that are of a sexual nature, a parent can object in Oklahoma. And if the book is not removed, if this new law passes, the parents will get $10,000 a day Ooh. for every day that that book remains in their children's libraries. I want me some of that good, sweet, sweet book banning money. Right, which then deputizes an entire state of parents. You could not even particularly object to a book, but you're like, I could sure use 10K. Mm -hmm. Let me find a book to object to. And if you don't remove it that day, the next day I get 10K in my pocket. Yeah. I mean, Anne Frank, she found another girl attractive, right? Then they're complaining about there's some lesbian stuff going on in her diary. That that would get banned, or you and you could, if it didn't get banned and you didn't get pulled, you could pro get a nice used car out of it, or you could purchase a whole bunch of bananas. A lot of Percocet, you're saying? Mm hmm. I'm I'm not saying that everybody that would report on this bill if it gets passed right, spend the money on fish scale. There might be some fish scale use. I'm, uh -huh. just saying, I'm floating it out as a possibility. I don't have proof. Allegedly. Party with some Canadian baby bottles? Yes. Yeah. I would recommend the Bible. I mean, that's just <laughs> full of all sorts of perversions and sex, and it tells you how you should have sex. And I mean, there's incest, and there's there's lots of talk of penises and foreskins, and oh, it's dirty. I don't want my kids so, reading that kind of thing. I would... I, I would say that I I might just move to Oklahoma if this passes. I will take up residency and then start complaining about that. And if it's not removed from the library, I want my 10K. I, I mean, you could be the next Bible millionaire. I, could I believe be. in you, my friend. It would just be like the uh, satanic temple turning this shit around because I assume, no, no proof, but I assume that a lot of these people are hyper-religious. And same kind of people that want to put the Ten Commandments 
on Capitol lawns and be like, sure, do that. But we want to put our statue of Bathomet on there. So I would say, yeah, I'm I'm cool with you guys banning all these books, but I got some books. I got a couple. I got some Old Testament and New Testament I want you to fucking ban, too, if you want this law to stand. I'll, I'll, I'll open the book and I will show you. I have notations it's, in my Bible of all the fucked up shit. I will show you some of the weirdest crap I've ever read. Ban this book. I'm not having my kid read it. They have incest. They've got Lot busy mm-hmm. banging his daughters. Yeah. Getting getting dad drunk, having sex. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Plenty of stuff. It's almost like we've found a hole in their proposed bill. It's, it's, and we're going to would... fuck that hole. Wide open. So we're going to make that whole gape and, and prolapse. Oh, oh, oh. okay, okay. Oh. Woo! All right, I've got visual. I've got some visuals in my head right now. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, how do we end this on an up note? It's it's a brand new year. We brought them down. We were censorship. And there's people have to walk home, you know, shadowed by drones, and um, so we brought bring them up. I mean, we got we had drunk hamsters, and that's fun. How we should we... have ended with the drunk hamsters. Sorry. Yeah, you you started out on a nice high note with your maple leaves and your baby bottles, and then I've then we're ending with gaping prolapse, which Mm -hmm. I guess maybe a a fitting end. (laughs) I would say fitting end to the year that just was the gaping prolapsed year that was 2021. I obviously you're going to have to tune in next week, and we'll lift you back up from the. We will, but if you tune in next week. Be sure you follow us on Patreon, patreon.com backslash Dirty Talk Podcast, because next week is an odd-numbered episode, and that is going out exclusively... To the special ears. To the special Patreon-only ears. Ooh. Yes. So, yeah, do join us next week. Uh, that's our that's our high note <laughs> that we're ending on. We're ending on a high note by saying, give us money. There you go. Yay, capitalism. Yes. All right. We will catch you all, uh, unless you're not one of the cool kids, in which case we will catch you the week after next. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. I have learned so much about hamsters. You got a fine, good, jolly, brand new year salute for these people. Yes, this looks totally different than the one from last year. Mm -hmm. It's It's a year older. Over and out, my friends. We will catch you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.